we are continuing today our sermon series on prayer. Uh, This is our third week where we are talking, it's the fourth week of the series, the first was an intro, and then we've gone into this, uh, using this paradigm for prayer from Richard Richard Foster, uh, where he talks about there's, there's inward prayers, there's upward prayers, and there's outward prayers. And the inward prayers are, are prayers that are all about inward transformation, about encountering the transformative power of God in our hearts. And then upward prayers are all these prayers about seeking the intimacy of God. And the outward prayers are these, these like sent out on mission, praying for others type of prayers. And so our first three weeks we've been spending talking about inward prayers. This is the last of our inward prayers. And... Um, let me just interject here. These are not the only, I, I picked three. I picked three written three of each of those types, but there are many more ways to pray and experience the transformative power of God. I picked three um, because they, they're ones that have been meaningful to me in my own journey, and I hope that they would be meaningful to you, but if you are curious about more, please do not hesitate to reach out. I love prayer. I love praying. I love talking about prayer. So um, if you have questions, if you want to learn more, my email is open. <laughs> I would love to grab a coffee with you. I would love to pray with you. Come to a prayer, our prayer night on Tuesdays. Uh, these are great opportunities for us to, to practice praying together to learn more about prayer and to experience the work of God in our lives. But I picked these three um, to talk about in the series uh, because they had been meaningful for, for me. And so the first we talked about, you were inviting, and we practiced together, we invited Jesus to come and search our hearts and know us, right? And this is called the prayer of the examine. And, uh, and to, to reveal to us any, anything that's not in step with him and to lead us in his way, right? And then on the second week, we confessed our sins to God. And we talked about how confession is actually a gift, Right? Because it opens our heart to truly receive love in new and beautiful ways. Today, we are wading into some deep and difficult waters. Here's the thing. If we are going to talk about prayers of inward transformation, then, then we, I need to spend some time talking about the prayers that we pray when we've gotten to the end of our rope. Right? The prayers that we pray when we've gotten to the end of our hope. In the, in the midst of the hard moments, I thought about maybe preaching about prayers of lament. You know, we've got a whole book of the Bible dedicated to lamentations, and not to mention it being one of the most common types of psalms. But I ended up landing on this prayer, this powerful prayer that Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. This, this time when our Lord and Savior Jesus, when he was in anguish, when he says, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow. Church, I don't know if you've ever been in a moment like that, but it, it seems to me that those types of experiences and moments are a part of being human. So, so how in the world are we supposed to pray in those moments? And that's what we're going to talk about today, but before we talk about that, because this is hard, why don't we just take a quick moment and pray one more time? Lord Jesus, we need you. We need your help today, so as we come to you and as we come to your word, would you be with us and soften our hearts and speak to us. God, help me to get out of the way. God, help us to experience you, to know you and to know your voice. Give us a sensitivity to you and your spirit and give us, give us courage. Give us courage to step out and to believe boldly that, that you are here that you are among us, that you are working, that you are not far away. Give us courage to trust that you are good and that we can depend upon you. 
In your name, amen. So before we get to Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, to give us, I, I want us to remember a, a story out of the Old Testament, just to give us a little bit of broader context. So you might know this story, it might be familiar. This is a story about Jacob. It's found in Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 to 29. Jacob is, you know, if you read the story of his life, he gets himself into some trouble, right? Like he maybe steps on some people's toes, and one of those people was his brother, Esau. And he, you know, stole his blessing and, you know, wasn't very nice to him. And then he left. And then later on in the story of Jacob's life, he comes to this moment where he realizes he's going to have to confront his brother again. And that is frightening. And he is anxious. He is in despair. He is not quite sure what he's going to do. And so he sends ahead of him a whole convoy of all of these gifts and things to try to, like, soften the blow for one he eventually runs into his brother and has to confront him face to face. So he sends all of these things ahead of him. And, uh, and eventually he finds himself alone. Everybody's been sent away. The next day he's going to be meeting his brother. And this is where we find, this is where we pick up in the story. So this is verse 24 of Genesis 32. It says, so Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So I, I don't know about you, I, like, I grew, you know, I grew up, I went to a, a summer camp, it was all boys, <laughs> and we would sometimes, we would wrestle, right? We, you know, you, with your buddies, who's the strongest, and you get into grappling. Uh, five minutes of that, and I'm wrecked. Like, I'm exhausted. That t- this, there, I, I feel like there is not a more physically strenuous thing than wrestling. Like, it's, it takes it out of you. And yet, here we have Jacob, he wrestles Till daybreak, all night long. I think he's like 90 at this point in time as well, so what a story. Um, (laughs) He wrestles all night long. And then this man that he's wrestling against, it says, when he saw, the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled the man. And you think, okay, that's the end of it, right? And then the man says, let me go. (laughs) So Jacob, still injured, exhausted, all night he's been up wrestling and still he's holding on tight, right? Let me go. And what does Jacob say? He replies, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Again, I want this blessing. I need another one. He already took his brothers, right? I need another blessing. And the man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. And then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So in this moment, in this part of the story, Jacob gets three things, right? He gets the blessing that he demanded. He also gains a limp that he walks with for the rest of his days, and he gets a new name. In the Bible, names have a lot of meaning, right? Does anyone know what Israel means, what the name means, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. He wrestled with God. That's right. This becomes not just the name of Jacob, but the name of God's people, right? They wrestle with God. And, you know, as Christians, we are not called Israel anymore, but this is actually a part of our heritage, right? This is a part of of our story. And 
It's important, I think, for us to remember that we are also people who sometimes wrestle with God. Like, actually, that that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's a part of our identity, that sometimes it's in the wrestling that we experience the transformation. And I think that the prayer that we talk about today, I, I, think, I think there's wrestling here as well. And, I, and my fear coming into this was, was that I know in my own life, I know a lot of people, when we read this, we skip right past it. We skip right past the wrestling and we only see the surrender. We see the not my will but yours be done, God, but we don't see the God, please, if there is any other way, would you take this cup from me? But these things go together, right? This prayer, and it's called a prayer of, of relinquishment, <laughs> prayer of surrender, this prayer, the second part doesn't work without the first. We are actually invited to wrestle in. And this isn't just a, a Jacob and, and wrestling with God thing, right? Like, this is in Job, the story of Job. We read the beginning of Job and usually the end, but like the whole middle, there's some real wrestling that happens. Abraham bargains with God, right, over Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, what if there were this many people? What if, what if it was this many, you know? How, how low can I get him down? He wrestles, he talks back, right? There are many, like I think in Moses, right? God's like, I'm so angry at the people. This is what I'm going to do. Moses goes, hey, hey, hold up for a minute. What if we just, what if this instead, right? Again, there's this talking that happens, this, this bi-directional relationship with God that happens. We are invited into that. We are invited to pray earnestly and to wrestle with God. I'm going to read again the, uh, the story from today, but I'm going to read it from one of the other Gospels. I'm so grateful for the youth readers who read it today. They read it out of Matthew. That was Matthew 26, 36 to 46. I'm going to read it out of Mark. This is Mark chapter 14, verses 32 to 42. So they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And Jesus said, sit here while I go to pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch for, um, with me. And he went on a little farther, and he fell to the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by. He said, Abba, Father, he cried out, Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and he found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me one hour? Keep a watch and pray so that, I, so that you will not give into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And then he leaves them again and he prays the same prayer as before. The same... Father, Abba, Father, if everything is possible for you, please, please take this cup away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And he returns to them a third time. I'm sorry, he returns to them a second time, and, uh, and uh, they're asleep again. They couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know why, and they didn't know what to say. And then it just jumps, and it says, and then he returned to them again. So we assume he goes off, and he prays again. And that's what it says in Matthew. He prays a third time. Three times he goes and he wrestles and he prays and he asks God, please, is there any other way? And then surrender. But I want your will to be done. Is there another way for your will to be done? Can we figure, can we be creative? Can we, is there something else? 
please? No. Okay. I, I want your will to be done, God. Do you see it? Jesus is wrestling. This prayer, it, we call it the prayer of relinquishment or the prayer of surrender. And I think, well, don't touch that. I think that I have, I know in my own life, when I've gone to pray and I've used these words, I've used, but God, we want to pray your will into the situation. It has not been the courageous, bold, big ask that Jesus has, has put out there. When I've prayed this prayer, it's, it's not been this, this big prayer of faith. It's been a prayer of almost no faith. I don't know if you've ever done, like, I'm, you know, for example, it's like if I'm, if I'm praying for someone, I'm asking for healing, and I, I've known the weight and the burden of unanswered prayer, and so it's like, well, do I pray for them to be healed, and then we all sit in the disappointment, or do I pray that God's will would be done there, and then I don't have to be disappointed, right? And it's, it's actually an easier prayer, right? But that's not the prayer of relinquishment. That's not surrender. That's resignation, Right? This isn't, that's not a prayer of great faith, it's a prayer of almost no faith. The other thing is, if I'm often, when I go to pray, pray God's will, like Jesus went, he prayed three times. How many times do you think it's going to take me to actually come into alignment with God's will? I'm not Jesus, right? And yet I'll pray at once. Okay, well, here's what we hope for, but don't expect it. So, God, your will be done, whatever that means. This is a prayer that I think we so often get wrong. This is a prayer of big, bold faith, of courage. And it's a prayer that can only be prayed if we have a deep, deep belief that God is actually good. Jesus tells this parable of uh, right after in Luke, in Luke's gospel, when, when, when it's the it, it, it's the Sermon on the Plains in Luke's Gospel, and the story is, uh, it's when he's teaching them, they say, teach me how to pray, and it's the Lord's Prayer, but it's shorter because it's Luke's one for some reason. He teaches them the Lord's Prayer, and then right after, he tells them this story. And he talks about, if there was a, if you had a neighbor, or if you went to your neighbor's house and you banged on their door in the middle of the night, and you're like, hey, I need bread, someone has come, a friend has come, and I don't have anything to feed them, can you give me three loaves of bread? And they said, go home, it's the middle of the night. Because of your persistence, if you keep on banging on the door, they will come and give you the bread, <laughs> right? And then he says this story, which might be familiar to you, about, about a, a child asking their parents for bread and being given a snake instead. And he says, of course you wouldn't do that. Your father knows how to give good gifts, right? And he says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, right? Knock and the door will be open. That's, that's Luke's gospel in the Sermon on the Plains. And I, I think, I know I have lost some of the courage. And in reading this prayer of Jesus, it's bringing me back and it's been challenging me, even as I've been praying and wrestling this week about the very concept of what is surrender. And then I've been thinking about why is this a prayer an inward prayer, right? Why is this a prayer of inward transformation? And I think, I think what it is is that this isn't a prayer where we give up. This is actually a prayer where we are asking Holy Spirit to come and change our heart. 
Like Jesus is saying, please, 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 this is what I desire. He is wrestling and he is fighting and eventually, okay, okay, change me then. Change my heart then so that I am in alignment with you, God. That is a scary prayer. And it requires us to believe that God is good, that he is, that he is worth trusting, that he has a plan that's better than the plan that we've crafted for ourselves. And it's very possible that going through that process might involve us walking with a limp at the end of it because of the way that we desire control. In Old Halsby's book on prayer, it's so interesting, he talks about that story of Jacob fighting, wrestling with God. And he says, God wanted to bless Jacob the whole time. Jacob just wouldn't let go. <laughs> like, he wanted to bless him. He would have, he, Jacob just could have said, please give me the blessing. And he's like, let go of me. Can you please bless me? Yes, I'll bless you. But instead, he got a reminder to go with it out of his, his need to control. So this is where the thing that I've been, been jumping around in my head all week is, is how do we talk about surrender? And I'm going to try and draw a diagram. This is very outside of my comfort zone, so be kind. <laughs> I'm not Amos. If you didn't know Amos, he was a real artist. I'm not. I don't even know what hand to use when I write on boards. True. That's a true story. I actually don't. I write with my left down here. I usually write with my right on a board. It's weird. <laughs> but there's this, I found this really, really helpful diagram. It's, it's by a guy. He's a free Methodist. His name's Vern Hindman. And... Um, and he's talking about, it's in his dissertation, which was called Semiotics of Transformation. That doesn't matter. Um, but he, he's trying to explain what is surrender? Like, what does it mean for us? Can people see this on this side? Can you see it too? Yeah? Yeah, you're okay? Okay. Can the camera see it? Are we okay, Mike? Yes, I can see it up there. Okay. So what is surrender, right? How do we think about surrender? And he makes this chart. I found it so helpful. So he says, okay, we've got, we've got a, a graph, right? And on the one side, on the one axis, we have, let me check, make sure I get the right word here. We have control, right? Oh, wow. O-N-T-R-O-L. We have control, right? And then on the other side, we have, he uses the word resignation. And he says, this is often how we think about surrender, okay? This is how we think about surrendering to God. I'm trying to control, I'm trying to control, I'm trying to control, and then I give it over to God and I quit, right? And I go down to surrender. That's how we think about surrender. But Vern makes this really clear delineation. He says, resignation and, where did I put my thing? Resignation and surrender are not the, th the same thing. He says, actually, resignation, quitting, is the last step of control. It's, it's, it's going, I'm gonna control that I want it my way or else, or else I'm no longer going to participate. Then I'm done, then I'm out, right? Either we're gonna control it or we're gonna give up. Those are our options. And Vern says, surrender walks right through the middle of it. Surrender is existing in a tension between control and resignation. Surrender requires us to continue to be a part of what's happening, not to give up, but to keep on going. He defines it this way. He says, surrender is guided by the Holy Spirit, 
It's living in good tension between control and resignation, and it is being willing to do the next right, right thing with no guaranteed outcome. But it requires of us a continued walking, stepping forward. It requires of us an allowing of the Holy Spirit in to work transformation, to change the way that we are thinking about the very scenario that we're in. He talks about surrender as finding this sweet spot, and he's always got really colorful language. He says it's about getting into a cooperative groove with God, which I think is so neat. He says, this walking, right, this listening, every step along the way, we come to something, we are in despair, we're in this difficult moment, and we're trying to control it. We are trying to, to make it go our way. Please take this away from me. Please, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Please, this is hard. Please, I'm afraid. He says, surrender is not knowing all, all the way up here. It's like, okay, what's, what's the first step that I can take? How do I listen? I don't know what the outcome will be, but can I do one next little faithful thing? This is, I think, the model that Jesus gives us in his prayer in Gethsemane, right? Please, God, and we see it in the, in the passage in Matthew. He starts off, it's this very earnest prayer. God, if you can take this away, take it away. Not my will, but yours. And then the next prayer, it's more, I think he goes, it's, he prays, if there is no other way, then this would be your will. Like there's a, he's taken one step in between those prayers. Earnestly wrestling, not quitting, not giving up. It's a wrestling, but it's a wrestling in which we eventually come to surrender. Richard Foster talks about this. He says, of course, surrender is better than control. Of course, that's where we want to be. But that's kind of like saying adulthood is better than childhood right? Like this is a process of maturing in our faith, coming into greater steps of trusting God. And the way we do it is by doing it, is by, is by stepping out in faith and trusting in this next situation, in this place where I feel like I'm just grasping at control. Can I have faith that if I step out that God would be there and catch me? I, th I think he's bringing me there one step. Oh no, I don't know about this. Okay, can I do one more? I don't know what the outcome will be. Not control, not quitting, just, just control in a different way. Somehow trying to split the difference in a collaborative work. And this is what we see in all of these stories, right? Like we go back to Moses, we go back to Abraham, the stories we talked about earlier. It's a back and forth, right? It's not, <laughs> Vernon, this paper, he's like, when I was a kid, my parents would tell me to give it over to God. I would always say, should I wrap it first? <laughs> It's not just a throw it away. It's a, God, would you, would, you, would you journey with me in this? Would you come and be with me? Would you, would, I, would you help me to remember that I'm not alone here? Would you help me take that one next step, right? And if there's another way, let's go there. We pray earnestly, we ask boldly, and we trust. We trust that he knows better than we do. This is a difficult, difficult concept. <laughs> it's, it's one thing to draw a diagram of it. It's another thing to live it. And, and part of the challenge of, I think, the sermon today is every week we've tried to have a prayer practice that goes along with this. And I don't know how to get you to pray this prayer. What I can tell you is that in my own life, in my regular daily practice of prayer, one of the things that I pray, it's in my list. I'm a list person. In my list is I pray God, show me the places where I'm not surrendering and call me into surrender in those places as well. That's the invitation. It's kind of like an examine prayer. God, show me the places 
Call me into surrender in those places as well. Let me, let me grow in my trust for you. But there's one more thing that I want to, that I want to bring up. We've read two of the gospel accounts of this, of this story. There is one more. It's in Luke. This is in three of the four gospels. This is out of Luke uh, 22, 39. Uh, sorry, chapter 22, starting at verse 39. So, so Jesus, this is the same story. This is the, the Luke account. Jesus went out as usual, and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And then he withdrew a stone's fall, a throw away from them, and he knelt down and prayed. and said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, this is different than any of the other accounts. Verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, it goes on, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep and exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up so that you not fall into temptation. And I think the important thing to remember, and this is all back to the, the very first sermon that we talked, when we, very first time we talked about prayer. Prayer is not a work that we do alone. Prayer is, is setting ourselves at the feet of God and trusting that he will come and be with us. So even in this prayer, when we are fighting against him, even in this prayer, Jesus didn't do it alone. An angel came and met him in the midst of his despair. And even in this prayer, as you come, as you perhaps feel places where God is challenging you or encouraging you or trying to wrestle out of your hands the thing that you're clinging so closely to, if you are willing to say, Lord, not my will but yours, not, not in a way of no faith, not in the no faith way. <laughs> I try really hard now when I pray for people in healing, I, the instinct is still, because I've known the weight of unanswered prayer to go, but God, we pray your will. But instead, I try to ask, I try to follow the example of Jesus and ask boldly, even if I'm scared, even if it makes me uncomfortable, trusting that he is good and knowing that yeah, maybe he won't answer it, and we will feel, I don't know, embarrassed or a little sheepish, but he will still be good. But in that also knowing and trusting and believing that we are not alone as we pray these prayers, amen? That we are not alone as we enter in any time to pray. So I wanted, I wanted to remind you, I know this is a hard, this is a hard one. I was, this is out of the prayer messages that I've planned this is maybe one other that I was like, this can be scary. This is challenging. But I think it's vital. If we are to grow, Jesus wants every bit of us. He desires our whole entire heart. And it's, it's through prayer of surrender that we begin slowly to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and chip away at those those doors and cabins and all of the places in our heart that we are like sweeping stuff in and hiding underneath the carpets, everything. He wants it all for our good because he is good. Amen? Let's, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, show us again. Show us again the places that we are holding back, the places where your goodness has not yet penetrated in our hearts and give us the courage, the bravery, the strength to wrestle open those doors and to let your light in. God, lead us in the way that you have for us. 
In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.